If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Last week, President Biden delivered remarks on the next steps in the vaccine push as the Delta variant of the coronavirus rapidly spreads across the U.S. He stated that all federal workers will be required to take the vaccine or have to be tested regularly, twice a week, perhaps. The president referred to the coronavirus pandemic as a pandemic of the unvaccinated, calling the situation an American tragedy. I spoke with CDC director Dr. Rochelle Walensky on special report on the Fox News channel about the updated guidance. And I wanted to share that conversation with you, specifically the questions about the details, the data, the science behind these major policy shifts. You've heard those two reports, and obviously there's concern about the messaging and what's coming out. First is breakthrough numbers. Fully vaccinated Americans, it's a real uh, credit that 164 million plus have been vaccinated. Of those, we're told from your organization that hospitalizations are at 6,200. That's 0.0038% of fully vaccinated. And of those, deaths are at 1,263, 0.00077% fully vaccinated. So break down these numbers and the concern about the vaccinated and the changes that you're making. Yeah, thank you for raising this. So I'm um, 164 million people fully vaccinated, and that I think is a true success, and we still have a lot more work to do. I want to be very cautious about the interpretation that you just made with those 6,200 cases. The CDC um, monitors breakthrough infections in numerous ways, and one is through passive reporting. So the report you have up there with those 6,200 cases is passive reporting. That is when we rely on hospital systems to report breakthrough infections as they come in. We can learn a lot about them, but what we recognize is that is woeful underreporting. We actually don't get all the reports that we need. And so what we do is we bolster that with cohort studies. These are tens of thousands of people that we follow across the country, people like essential workers, like healthcare workers, long-term care facility members and residents. And so we follow those to assess the real epidemiologic way to do breakthrough infection analysis, that the, the 
passive reporting is not the best way to do Understood so. Understood that. So, and I, I saw some of the stuff you put out about Massachusetts and what you looked at in, in that one community. But in the internal slides from the CDC that, that got to the Washington Post, uh, it appears that some of your decision was partly based on a non-peer-reviewed study from India that looked at vaccines not, not approved in the U.S. So I guess the question is, why are you using foreign data of non-U.S. vaccines as, as a, at least a part of a basis for your decisions here? Yeah, let me be very clear. That was an internal briefing to me to give um, the comprehensive view of what was out there in the literature. The India data were not at all used to make this assessment. I had seen last Friday the data from Massachusetts that were published today, um, and I certainly didn't want to use a one single site in order to um, to make that to make that assessment and to to change these guidances. So what we did is we looked at other sites that were um, that were conducting outbreak analyses and uh, discussed with some international colleagues who are ahead of us on the Delta variant to see what we can glean. And what became very clear is that the data that we saw in Massachusetts were corroborated in numerous other places, and that's when we knew we had to take action. But to be very clear, that internal briefing was not um, that what the data that we used to make the decision. In fact, the decision was made after that briefing. All right, but you're leading with the information that the vaccines work that they're effective, that they prevent, for the large part, hospitalizations and deaths. Absolutely, and that remains, fortunately, to be true with the Delta variant. So for the masks to be added to that, are the vaccinated people wearing the masks to protect the unvaccinated people, or are they protecting the vaccinated people? The vaccinated people, so if you are vaccinated, when you are vaccinated, um, you are protected from severe disease and death. And when we removed the masks on, uh, in May for the vaccinated people, the alpha variant was the predominant variant. And we had data to suggest at the time that if you were infected as a breakthrough case, that you couldn't give disease, you couldn't give alpha disease to someone else. Fast forward now, the end of July, the predominant strain here is Delta. And so what we were, um, the data that we saw was actually unlike alpha, Delta allows you tr to transmit to somebody else. So the masks are really being put on for vaccinated people in areas of high density disease, such that if they were to get infected, that they knew that they might bring it to somebody who is immunocompromised, somebody who was not yet vaccinated. So it was really to prevent transmission. Right. Dr. Walensky, you can imagine people, you know, confused by the messaging from the beginning to now. And we understand what you're saying is that the variant caused evolution of how it reacted. However, there is a feeling that the goalposts moved here a bit. Here is Dominic with a question about that. Good evening, Brett and Dr. Walensky. This is Dominic Marcy from Vienna, Virginia with a couple questions. If it's considered rare to get COVID-19 if you're fully vaccinated with the Delta variant, when will we ever get back to normal when masks are not required? And my second question is, if other variants come along, at what percentage of cases of hospitalizations do you not recommend wearing masks? Thank you. Let me just put a finer point on it. You know, we started this whole thing with trying to stop the spread and we were going to flatten the curve to prevent hospitals from being overrun. But now it does seem, Dr. Walensky, to Dominic's point that we are trying to kill this virus uh, entirely. And, and can you just answer his percentage point question? 
Um, yeah, thank you, Dominic. Thank you for that question. So I think it's really important to recognize that as we think about the absolute number of people who are getting infected, that is um, re related to the number of people who have disease, the number of people who are vaccinated, and how well those vaccines work. So it is actually quantitatively possible to have 95% protection um, from hospitalizations and still have a lot of breakthrough infections if most of your population is vaccinated. But is there a normalcy? I mean, is the next variant just around the corner? Uh, and is that something, you know, that we're always going to be on this stop and start with putting masks on or not? So I want to just articulate that this was not news that I expected the, the American people to welcome. Uh, this weighed heavily on me to, be, to have to do this. But I will also say that this virus has been humbling. I was taking care of patients a year ago. I um, joined the CDC six months ago, and the science continues to change. And while that is neither simple nor easy to convey, it's my responsibility to keep the American people safe. And as that science evolves, I evolve with, our, with the CDC, the guidance. What I will say is I continue to be humbled by this virus. I have no interest in continuing mask um, guidance. Um, and the best way to stop a new variant from spreading is to have less virus out there. And the best way to do that is to get people vaccinated and to mask up until they are. Dr. Walensky, you said the other day that um we're just two or three mutations away from a variant that can't be defeated by our vaccines. There were some former health officials, top health officials, who found that troubling and thought it was a little bit of fear-mongering because they believe that the, the uh, vaccine uh, that we have currently, the mRNA, uh, can be adjusted to deal with whatever variant comes down the line and can be uh, fixed within uh, you know, a matter of time and a short matter of time. Is that factual? Um, I think both are potentially true. Um, I said, I believe, a few mutations away. You know, the virus is smart. The virus is um, out to make sure that it can survive, and it is an opportunist. It will go where we are not vaccinated. The more the virus is mutating, the more it has an opportunity to mutate away from our um, vaccines and to be able to evade them. That, I think, is true, and that's the general concern of science. We're not there yet, and we're very lucky to not be there yet, but we have a lot of virus circulating here. It is very true, and I think it's a scientific um, win, that we have mRNA vaccines that can be adapted um, for new viral variants, new mutations, and that's, that's amazing. However, um, that will take some time, and so what we'd really like to do is not have to be in that place. Last question quickly, but, but speaking of time, when is the FDA going to authorize the full approval of vaccines that have been on emergency authorization so far? The president the other day said it's the fall, but the FDA has put out that it might be January 2022. Why has it taken so long? Um, you know, I don't know the FDA's timeline or plans. I will leave that squarely with the FDA. But what I do know is that the due diligence and the science and the review and the epidemiologic data need to be um, done, and the FDA is working hard to do so. Okay, doctor, if you'll stick around, we're going to go to break. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
We are back with CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky. I want to start there. Are you for mandating a vaccine on a federal level? Um, you know, that's something that I think the administration is looking into. It's something that I think we're, we're looking to see approval of from the vaccine. Um, overall, I think in general, I am all for um, more vaccination. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have nothing further to say on that except that we're looking into those policies. And, and quite honestly, as people are doing that locally, um, those, are, those are individual local decisions as well. Right. But you're in the medical field and you can hear the pushback from people who say, I need to determine what is put in inside my body uh, with my doctor. So you get that pushback. I completely understand the pushback, and I also understand that this is not unlike other things that are mandated, other vaccines that are mandated for school-going children, for healthcare personnel. I'm mandated every year as I work in the hospital to get a flu vaccine. So um, there's, I, I understand both perspectives in that story. It's, it's, I understand. But why is it then, Dr. Walensky, that such a high percentage of medical personnel are not taking the vaccine? Um, yeah, you know, again, this is a very heterogeneous country. And so um, if you look at certain parts of the country, there are high levels of vaccination. And if you look at other levels of the other parts of the country, there are lower levels of the vaccination. Um, I think it's really important to understand that everyone has a different reason for either wanting the vaccine or not wanting the vaccine. So this is not about, you know, why is this demographic not getting it? Some people haven't had access. Some people haven't had time off. Some people don't understand its benefits. Some people are worried about the side effects. So I think as we go um, and, and try and provide information to people who are not yet vaccinated, I feel like it's our job to understand what their hesitancies are and then to use information that we have that they are interested in to try and um, use that information so that at the end of a discussion, they will want the vaccine. I've talked to a lot of medical experts, a lot of people I trust who say that the profile for these vaccines is really great as far as uh, efficacy standpoint. However, there are indications of uh, pockets of, and whether that's hundreds or thousands of people who have problems. There are people who say they've linked it to deaths, uh, whether this number is very small. Um, are those things being looked at by the CDC? Is that investigation happening? We don't, we don't hear about it, obviously. Absolutely. We are watching this incredibly carefully through numerous different vaccine safety systems, this vaccine adverse event system. Um, we have a VSA system, a passive reporting system. We have what we call a vaccine safety data link that is collaborating with hospitals. We are watching this extraordinarily carefully. And what I would say is um, we have uh, vaccinated 164 million Americans. Um, so we have an extraordinary amount of data um, since December as we started getting uh, vaccinating people. And we've been able to find very, very rare signals when they've occurred. And so I have extraordinary confidence in the safety of these vaccines. Yeah, which makes the question about the FDA and authorization seem really important. Uh, if it's about shelf life, it seems like it's a little too long. I want to turn to schools. There's a lot of parents who send in questions all across the country. They're wondering what it's going to look like for their kids and masks, especially for young kids, two, three, four, five, six. Here's uh, Josh. Why is the CDC not looking at the emotional impacts and the other physical impacts that having a mask on a child as young as three or four or five, six, seven years old? Nobody seems to be talking about the emotional or physical impacts um, that, that 
having a mask on a child for that long is having, and the CDC should be looking at this. Why are they not? Are you not, or are you? Brett, thank you for that question. Josh, thank you for that question. Here's what I can tell you. First of all, I have three kids myself, and I completely understand. We want our kids back in school, and that is so very important. Over the summer, we've had numerous summer school outbreaks that have occurred when uh, masks are not worn. We've had, d d jurisdictions have had to close schools because there are so many clusters happening in the school system. So my primary goal is to get all our kids back in person safely for full-time learning um, and to do so and to be able to keep the schools open to prevent those clusters from happening in school. Right now, the best way to do that is to have everybody masked because we do have disease in the community. And hopefully, as we have vaccinations for kids and less disease in the community, we'll be able to, uh, to scale back on the mask wearing. But those are cases, right? Those aren't hospitalizations and those aren't deaths. Do you have a percentage of kids, young kids, hospitalizations? and deaths? Um, you know, we are following that very carefully. What I will say is that um, certainly the kids do better than adults do. Um, the older people, the, the more hospitalizations have occurred in demographics that are over the age of 65. Um, but we are seeing illness in some kids who get, um, who get uh, COVID. And it's illness at the rates or even higher than the rates of influenza. So in my mind, as a vaccine-preventable disease, we want to make sure that our kids stay in school wearing a mask. And then when the vaccines, should the vaccines become available for our children to vaccinate them to keep them safe and healthy. All right. Here's what the head of the teachers union uh, said about opening schools in the fall. Vaccination is the number one gold standard um, that we need to, you know, bring back our masks for schools. We're going to keep kids safe. We're going to keep our members safe. And we're going to try to open up schools. Try to open up schools. It sounds like a maybe uh, from Randy Weingarner. The NEA obviously is a union advocating for its members, and that's important. And it's an important stakeholder to the CDC, obviously setting guidelines for schools in the fall. But, but who are the advocates for the children and the parents, uh, which teachers unions have not been, at least in, in that particular question. And uh, as the CDC prepares recommendations for in-person learning, uh, especially for kids under 12, as you heard Josh talk about, what's the scientific basis for masking young children? You know, I think that we have to, when we, we have seen in schools that when the children come into schools with disease in the community, it can spread in schools if the children are not masked. And so when we have high rates of disease in the community, we are going to see some cases in the school. But and it's more comfort to, for the teachers in the, those schools. Um, you know, a lot of these kids, first of all, there is some disease in kids. These kids go back to homes where they have parents, they have immunocompromised parents, they have other children in the household. So really what we're trying to do is prevent spread in the schools and in the communities. And so, you know, generally what we're trying to do is get our kids back in full-time full in-person learning um, and to decrease the amount of disease in the communities so that our children can be back in school. 
Last thing, uh, you know, I hear from a lot of people that say, you know, there's one thing and then another thing. And we, we hear it about vaccinations and masks, but we also hear it about, uh, for example, one woman wrote in, my in-laws live in Austria. They cannot come here to see their six-month-old baby because of the EU travel ban. Even as migrants come across the southern border uh, from other countries with more COVID and worse vaccine performance, and they're allowed in. Is that a problem, Dr. Walensky? We're working um, in, at the CDC to provide technical assistance for all areas of travel, as well as to provide technical assistance at the southern border. So as people come in, we are keeping uh, migrants as well as those communities as safe as possible with the technical assistance and infection prevention guidelines from the CDC. But do you know the surge, how the surge of illegal immigrants with COVID is affecting the overall rate? You know, it sounds like the percentages down there on the border are astronomical. Yeah, you know, I would say that the percentages in the southern part of this country are really quite high. Um, and I don't necessarily think we can attribute all of that to what's going on at the southern border. I think what we really need to do is spend our time getting our communities vaccinated, to getting our individuals vaccinated, to uh, prevent disease from transmitting in our communities. Lightning round here. Which vaccine is best against the Delta variant? Uh, I don't think we have data to suggest that one vaccine is better than another. So I would say um, there are, uh, you know, three vaccines. We're lucky to have three vaccines that are available and um, get the information that you need to feel comfortable um, rolling up your sleeves and getting vaccinated. Yeah, well, you're going to talk to your doctor about that. Um, but if there's a mandate, you're not picking one over another as far as the Delta variant is what you're saying. But if you let's say you got the J&J, &J, is it OK to get the Pfizer uh, after that? because you want to. Um, right now, we don't have uh, full data from J&J &J or the FDA to make an evaluation on that assessment. Which kind of question. leads to that question about data and details. I mean, it's been a long time, and you have a lot of uh, 170 million people that, or 64. Don't you guys have a lot of data as of, as of this point? So the um, FDA is looking at the data from the companies uh, that are conducting these analyses. The CDC is not conducting crossover studies, as we call them, getting one vaccine and then getting a boost from a second. So um, the FDA have access to those data, and as they make those decisions, I am certain those data will become Should public. Should we avoid big crowds at this point? I mean, are we going to have an NFL season, an NHL season, an NBA season? Um, I am really hopeful that we will. I, you know, what I think is really clear is that um, if we unify together as a country, um, if we take the steps that are necessary to squash the amount of disease that is there now, we can do so in a matter of weeks. Um, if we all get vaccinated, um, if we wear masks until then, there is so much that can be done in such a short period of time to squash this. Um, and I would really love to see um, kickoff season. Last thing, Israel is already doing a booster for people over 60. Are we going to do that? Uh, we are working uh, and looking at the data. As I mentioned, we have numerous cohorts following tens of thousands of people across the United States. We're looking at those data every week, every two weeks. We're collaborating with international uh, partners such as Israel and the UK and many others to look at their, those data. And one thing I will say is that when the data demonstrate that we are ready to give boosters, um, the government will be ready. We are planning right now. Dr. Walensky, we appreciate you giving us an extended amount of time. As you can hear by all the questions around the country, there's some confusion and a lot of concern, uh, but we hope that um, you can come back sometime and continue to fill us in. I'd absolutely be happy to. Thanks for having me. 
That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.